Ozark Highlands Radio is brought to you by the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas. A wonderful way to enjoy yesterday. On the web at OzarkFolkCenter.com. And by Stone Bank, a community bank supporting entrepreneurs and farmers nationwide with loans guaranteed by the USDA, SBA, and Farm Services Agency. Learn more at StoneBank.com. And the Arkansas Arts Council, empowering the arts for the benefit of all Arkansans. On the web at ArkansasArts.org. And by the Committee of 100 for the Ozark Folk Center, preserving Ozark folk culture since 1974 through music roots, craft apprenticeships, and the Heritage Herb Garden. Learn more at OFC100.org. Howdy, blues lovers. This is Dave Smith, host of Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome to our show. This week, we'll hear from a titanic trio of certified country blues guitar masters recorded live at the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas. As usual, I'll be visiting Jeff Glover down in the vault. And in his segment, Back in the Hills, Dr. Brooks Blevins tells the story of Enoch Wolf, an adventitiously fortunate Arkansas Confederate Civil War officer. All that this week on Ozark Highlands Radio. Country blues, also known as folk blues, rural blues, backwoods blues, or down-home blues, is one of the earliest forms of blues music. It's performed primarily as a solo vocal with acoustic fingerstyle guitar accompaniment. Our first example of country blues, though, comes from a friend of ours who plays blues on many instruments, including the banjo, piano, and even the fiddle. Here's New York City bluesman Jerron Paxton singing some of his signature songs. Thank you. 
Papa dear, Papa, come home with me now. The clock in the steeple strikes two. The house has grown colder for Benny. He's worse. Indeed, he's been calling for you. Indeed, he is worse. Mama says he will die, perhaps before morning shall dawn. And this is the message she told me to bring. Come quickly or he shall be gone. Come home, come home, come home. Dear Papa, dear Papa, come home. Come home, come home. Yeah, Papa, come Papa, dear Papa, come home with me now. The clock in the steeple strikes three. The night is so lonesome, the hours so long for poor weeping mother and me. Indeed, we're alone. Poor Benny, he's dead and he's gone with the angels of life. These are the very last words he said. I want to kiss Papa goodnight. Come home, come home, come home. Dear Papa, dear Papa, come home. Come home, come home, come home. Dear Papa, dear Papa, come generation of people and we connected in all sorts of ways that didn't we didn't have even when I was learning the music I'm one of I think I'll be one of the last few people that thought he did this music by itself you know my friends who are older in their 40s 50s and 60s all had that experience like, I'm the only one that likes this where they was playing jazz blues bluegrass old-time music around here around the south you can find bluegrass and old-time music but you know for us people outside of the south us people with southern roots outside of the south it's hard to find sometimes it's hard to find with people with southern roots in the south you know you go to Mississippi you hear more hip-hop than you do blues nowadays about wrecking the same round here. You probably hear more rock and roll and banjo, not rock and roll, heavy metal, all that, than you hear banjo music sometimes. All the way them wheels strike that double line rail. You put that all together, Casey Jones engines getting down the road. Ring the 
bed And his watch was slow Told all them passengers Gotta keep yourself here We gonna shake like chain It did like chain It did Oh, we gonna shake like chain It did Well, I'm gonna tell you Mr. Casey done He looked at his watch And he looked at the sun He left Memphis About half past nine Got New York City For dinner time For dinner time York City for dinner time On the road again Mr. Casey Jones on the road again Now the reason Mr. Casey on the road again Police resting for selling his gin He sold his gin, he sold it straight Police run him to his woman gate He stepped back and nodded his head And made the wipe to the folding bed Old folding bed Made him wipe to the folding bed There was a woman named Alice Fry Said I'm gonna ride Mr. Case till I die I ain't good looking but I take my time Rambling woman with a rambling mind Got a rambling mind husband old sewing machine old needle got broken he could not sew I love Mr. Casey cause he told me so he told me so love Mr. Casey cause he told me so I'm gonna leave Memphis and spread the news that the women in Memphis don't wear no shoes got it written in the back of my shirt I'm a Nashville Eastman don't have to work don't have to work Oh, 
Yes, it's true, boy, your dad is dead, and that's why these women going out and red them no good shoes, even gown. They following your daddy to the burying ground, oh, the burying ground. That morning in the shower and rain Over around the curb come a passenger train Under the bottom lay old Casey Jones Good engine airman but he dead and gone Oh dead and gone Good engine airman but he dead and gone On the road again Which Casey Jones on the road again But nowadays, with people being connected, and I think a good high quality of musicians in the world, they like my buddy Coleman. Coleman's one of the best in the world. They're in, they're they're hidden, they're hidden little gems. But there's folks that are just tremendous that exist now, of all ages, from 20s to the 80s, that play good traditional music and play it well, and play it as it exists. It's not a but butterfly in a jar that's going to die or has to be preserved or fred or something like that. It's free. It's a part of existence, you know. People play this music as it ex always has existed, as party music, as functional music, as morning music, as joyous music, and it's just as real as anything else. And so I'm very happy to be alive now with this stuff and with my friends that I can communicate with and get together with and make some very good music. And hell, make a living at it. Educated fowlers from where birds and chickens hood. If you don't get chicken mouth three times a day, you know his appetite sure ain't good. He eats fried chicken every meal, then has a chicken salad for lunch. I ain't never seen him buy a solitary hen, but I've seen him eat him by the bunch. When he sees a mocking bird, he will loudly exclaim that there's just a talking hen. Although that hen didn't change the name, but somebody's changing. And when he sees a canary bird, it's just a chicken that's learned to sing. And if you contradict him, this argument he'll bring. Now 
All birds look like chickens to me. Crows look like black hens, you see. Some birds are raised up for a prize, but a knife and fork will make them all one side. People say quails ain't chickens, you see. They look like Lilliputian hens to me. Eagles and owls and all the fowls just look like chickens to me. Said the price you pay for chicken round here's a terrible price. Well, he went down yonder to a bird show where every nation of bird could be seen. And when he spied him a parrot, he says, Well, that hen yonder's just painted green. When he seen a wild duck, Sam Greenheart loud did beak. He said that him has got more legs than a pair of ragtime feet. When he seen the peacock, he could hardly talk. He said that hen must be the pimp hen, and the pimp hen to learn how to cakewalk. And when he seen the ostrich, that's just a chicken that's overgrown. And as he started homeward, all birds look like chicken to me. Crows look like black hens, you see. Some birds are raised up for a prize. Knife and fork will make more on one side. People say quails ain't chicken, you see. Look like Lilliputian hens to me. Eagles and owls, all the fowls just look like chicken to me. been listening to blind boy Jerron Paxton singing Papa Dear Papa Come Home With Me Now, The Ballad of Casey Jones, and All Birds Look Like Chickens to Me. We'll be listening to a couple more fine musicians on our country blues show, but after this break, come with me down to the vault for a visit with my friend Jeff Glover. This is Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome back to Ozark Highlands Radio. 
You know, I wasn't even supposed to be here today, but I uh, I came back to pick up my banjo, which I left here yesterday, and I see Jeff Glover's old truck out here in the parking lot, and so he's here for some reason, too, and I'll bet he's down in the vault. So let's go down and see what's going on with Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Well, hello, Dave. How are you today? Well, I'm good. I wasn't expecting to see you here today. Ah, uh, they never let me out of this place. <laughs> Trapped in the vault. What a deal. Hey, uh, um... Jeff, was, uh, have you found anything interesting down here? I know you're kind of the keeper of the vault these days. Well, you know, Dave, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. I was just thinking about you. You do a song called The the, the Devil and the Farmer's Wife, do you not? Yes, I do. I play it on the banjo and sing it. Yeah, I know. I, I found a recording of another fellow doing the same tune, and he does it drastically different than you do. It's a guy named Kenneth Rory. Have you ever heard his version of that? I remember Kenneth from long ago, but I have never heard him play it. I didn't know he did it. He does, and it's quite a bit different than yours. I'm not, I can't remember exactly the, the lyrics of the way you do it, but he does it a lot slower, and it sounds a lot different than the way you do it. Would you like to hear this? I would love to hear it. There was an old man who owned a large farm, but he had no horses to plow his corn, singing bye-bye, diddle-bye-day, diddle-bye-diddle-bye-day. So he hooked up his cow and his sow to the plow. He plowed his land, the devil knows how. Singing diddle-a-day, diddle-a-diddle-a-day. The old devil, he came to the farmer one day. Said, there's one in your family I'll sure take away. Singing diddle-a-day, diddle-a-diddle-a-day. He said to his wife, I'm sure we're undone. The devil has come for our oldest son, singing No, it's not your oldest son I crave, it's that old scolding woman I'll sure take away, singing Well then take her away, and with all my heart I hope from hell that she never does part, singing he put the old woman up on his back and off to hell went clickety clack singing Well, he set the old woman in the middle of the road, saying, Old gal, you're a devil of a load, singing He finally made it to old Hell's Gate, and there he made the old gal walk straight, singing bye-bye-diddle-a-diddle-a-diddle-a-day. Now two little devils came a-rattling their chains. She took off her slipper and knocked out their brains, singing bye-bye-diddle-a-diddle-a-diddle-a-day. Another little devil came a-climbing up the wall Saying, take her back, Daddy, she's murdering us all Singing, bye-bye-diddle-a-day-diddle-a-diddle-a-day So the old devil, he put her up on his back And like an old fool, went a-lugging her back Singing, bye-bye-diddle-a-day-diddle-a-diddle-a-day The old man was lying there sick in bed Took a butter stick and she paddled his head, saying bye-bye, diddle-a-day, diddle-a-diddle-a-day. 
He said two his sons were bound for a curse. She's been to hell, now she's ten times worse. Singing bye-bye, diddle-a-dee, diddle There are two endings to the song. This is one version. Shows that the women are worse than the men Cause they've been to hell and back again Singing five-lie, diddle-a-day, diddle-a-day, diddle-a-day This is the way the women sing it Shows that the women are better than the men Cause they've been to hell and back again Singing five-lie, diddle-a-day, diddle-a-day, diddle-a-day Wow, you know, that's very interesting Jeff, that's the same song that I do, but it's so much different. And you know, that's a good example of how tunes change when they're passed on by the folk tradition from person to person instead of being written down. Uh, When Moon and Deb Mullins came here, oh, 30 years ago, I guess, maybe 35, they also did that song. But it was completely different than my version of it and actually completely different than Kenneth's version that you just played. And I think that's an example of how, as music is passed on from person to person, it changes. Everybody changes everything just a little bit. That's the beauty of the folk tradition. As these songs migrate, they, they get their own cultural slant on them from the people that, the people that take them on and, and, and move them forward. It's a beautiful thing. It is. I, I like Kenneth's version. It's a little slower than the one that I do. And, and it's, it has that same nonsense chorus in it. But otherwise, it's very much different. Very nice. Well, thanks, Jeff. Uh, that was that was great to hear that song again. My pleasure, Dave. I'll see you next week. Okay, see you. Country blues was developed in the rural southern United States in the early 20th century and stands in contrast primarily to the urban blues lifestyle, especially in the pre-World War II era. Artists such as Blind Lemon Jefferson, Charlie Patton, and Blind Willie McTell were among the first to record blues songs in the 1920s. Hubby Jenkins is a talented multi-instrumentalist who endeavors to share his love and knowledge of old-time American music. Born and raised in Brooklyn, he delved into his southern roots following the thread of African-American history that wove itself through country blues, ragtime, fiddle and banjo, and traditional jazz. After years of busking around the country and making a name for himself, Hubby became acquainted with the Carolina Chocolate Drops. Since 2010, he's been an integral part of the Chocolate Drops and continues to make solo performances. Lord, I know 
Hearse wheels rolling, somebody to the graveyard. Hearse is rolling, somebody to the graveyard. Hearse is rolling, somebody to the graveyard. Hearse is rolling, somebody to the graveyard. Lord, I know my time ain't long. Can't you see? Times are changing. 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 Lord, I know. Thank you very much. Yeah, I grew up in Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, I grew up in Bed-Stuy, and then my mom's split up and moved all around Brooklyn, so I, the whole borough is mine, basically, from growing up there. Um, and I grew up playing saxophone, then later cello, then bass. Then I got my first guitar, got my hands on my first banjo after that, mandolin not too long after that. So you played in, like, school bands? I played in school bands, um, like, uh, you know, in the pit during musicals and... Uh, just some straight-up recitals. Uh, and I had a few friends who I played band in bands with. I had one band that was like a U2 cover band that I only lasted one day in. Um, <laughs> and then uh, after high school, I had a band that I played with, and then we all got into folk music and country blues together, and that's when I started playing guitar and being a bluesman and drinking whiskey straight and <laughs> uh, bumming around the country and hitching rides and all that kind of stuff. I love Corina, Lord have mercy. 
I guess initially it was me and, and my good friend Farrell Foster in New York. We both got really into playing blues, music specifically country, pre-World War II blues. And we didn't really know there was a scene. I had no idea that festivals existed, none of that, uh, growing up in the city. What we had was the New York folk scene. That was kind of our thing to look back at and I guess emulate, you know, like when you're young and you're doing all that. Um, and so we started spending time in Washington Square Park, which, which is right near McDougal Street, which is like Kettle of Fish was there and Gaslight and all that stuff. And there were still a lot of musicians who would go there and play old time or play folk songs or just play. So that was the beginning of that. Um, and then there was a, a show in the back of a Thai restaurant at McDougal Street that wasn't doing very well. And the guy who ran it gave it to Farrell. It's like, do you want this Wednesday night slot in the back of this Thai restaurant? He's like, yes. And so that became a way for us to meet people and be like, we got the show. It's happening in the West Village on this historical street, like come play. And so it started to build up my musical friendships there and lots of people coming and hearing about it and meeting young people who are also, you know, devouring the Harry Smith or looking for a scene. I started walking down that long freestyle line And even in my house, you know, one of my moms is from Puerto Rico, so I grew up with all, you know, just salsa and in my music, let alone on the street all summer and stuff like that. Um, and my other mom is very eclectic in her taste. But I'd have to say probably Skip James is the, is the guy who did it for me. And the first time I heard Devil Got My Woman Blues, I had never heard anything like that in my life. Didn't know music could exist like that. You know, just completely monotonous and droney, powerful, his voice weak but strong, declarative. And around that time, I was getting into, you know, classic rock stuff and listening to a lot of Hendrix and early psychedelic stuff. And 
for me, Skip James was as powerful as, you know, Pink Floyd's first record with all their effects and loudness and everything. And so the, just seeing how powerful one person could be uh, with their voice and the guitar pulled me in. My Monday woman, bring me the news. That Tuesday woman, boys, I'm telling you, better not let my good gal catch you here. Ain't no telling, man, poor little Lucy made you. Wednesday woman, gone to my head. Thursday woman, Trying to get in my bed, but not let my good gal catch you here. Ain't no telling, man, all that Lucy may do. Friday woman won, my pocket change. Saturday woman trying, get the same, but not let my good gal catch you. Master Hubby Jenkins, perhaps best known as a member of the Grammy Award-winning Carolina Chocolate Drops. In that set, we heard Hubby sing Church Bells, Corina Corina, and Frisco Lime. Hubby finished that set with the Lucy May Blues. Let's take another short break. When we come back, our friend Brooks Blevins tells the fascinating story of Arkansas Confederate Civil War officer Enoch Wolf. You're listening to Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome back to Ozark Highlands Radio. This week, Dr. Brooks Blevins tells the story of an adventitiously fortunate Civil War officer. Here's Brooks. 
What exactly do you say in a last letter? That was the question occupying the mind of Major Enoch Wolf, a rebel officer attached to a ball and chain in a St. Louis prison, awaiting execution and retaliation for a crime he played no part in. What do you say to your wife and kids back home? Let's go back in the hills to learn how an obscure Confederate officer from the Ozarks gained an eternal connection with old Abe Lincoln himself. It was the late summer of 1864. The war would be over within months, but no one knew it yet. General Sherman was pressing in on Atlanta. U.S. Grant had General Lee's Southerners on the run in Virginia. West of the Mississippi, anxious Confederates looked to relieve the pressure on their comrades back east by attempting yet another raid from Arkansas up into Missouri. General Sterling Price and his troops, many of them, like him, from Missouri, set their sights on St. Louis. In late September, they left Arkansas and entered the hills of southeastern Missouri. This territory had been the scene of constant bloodshed as Unionists and Southern sympathizers squared off against one another. Two enemy units had built up a particular hatred, the 3rd Missouri State Militia, a Union cavalry outfit, and their mortal foes, the Confederate 15th Missouri Cavalry. Their long-running war of vengeance got swept up in General Price's raid. It didn't take long for the raid to go badly for the Southerners. Price ordered his men to seize a little fort in the town of Pilot Knob. They did, but at a terrible cost of hundreds of casualties. Like a Hollywood Civil War movie, the Union soldiers at the fort, surrounded by Confederates, snuck out in the middle of the night and blew the little fort to smithereens behind them. The rebels gave up their plan of capturing St. Louis. Desperate members of the Confederate 15th Missouri Cavalry, exacting revenge for real or perceived wrongs, murdered seven Union prisoners, all but one of them from the 3rd Missouri State Militia. The bodies of the murdered men were found in the woods a couple of weeks later. In the meantime, Price's disintegrating army was chased out of Missouri into Kansas and back down into Arkansas. It was during the retreat through Kansas that Major Wolf of the Southern Army was captured. He was taken back across Missouri and thrown in the Gratiot Street prison in St. Louis. Now, usually, when an officer was imprisoned during the war, he could expect to be exchanged for an enemy officer after a few weeks or months. But to say Major Wolfe's timing was bad is the understatement of understatements. Here's where we come back to those seven murdered Union soldiers. General William S. Rosecrans, the Union commander in St. Louis, was so incensed over the brutal slaying of those men that he ordered eye-for-an-eye retribution. Just about a week before Major Wolfe arrived at the prison, a firing squad had executed half a dozen Confederate prisoners in retaliation. The seventh murdered Union man? Well, he had been a major, just like Wolf, and protocol demanded that the eye-for-an-eye executions also mind rank. It was, then, Enoch Wolf's misfortune to be the very first Confederate major to arrive at this prison after the general gave the execution order. The major's fate was sealed. Enoch Wolf received the grim news of his impending death on November the 8th. He'd played no role in the death of the Union captain or the six enlisted men, Nonetheless, his execution would take place in just three days. But on the night of November 10th, after the Arkansas farmer had already written a goodbye letter to his wife and children, and as he sat on the floor of a cold, dank cell, a telegram arrived at the general's headquarters. It was from the White House. Suspend execution of Major Wolf until further order, and meanwhile report to me on the case. President Abraham Lincoln... 
The major's life had been spared in the most incredible of ways. But why would the President of the United States concern himself with a Confederate major sitting in prison more than 800 miles away? According to Major Wolf's own recollection, it was his membership in the Masonic Order that spared his life, as either a Union prison officer or chaplain got word to local Masons, who then interceded on Wolf's behalf all the way to the White House. There is no paper trail confirming that story. You wouldn't expect the secret of Masons to leave one. What we do know is that two women in St. Louis took up the major's cause and got a few dozen signatures on a petition that they then presented to General Rosecrans, pleading for mercy. And at least three prominent men in the city sent telegrams of the same effect directly to President Lincoln. What Wolfe never mentioned in his telling of the story was that only nine days after staying the execution, President Lincoln lifted the stay, leaving the major's fate once again in the hands of General Rosecrans. Perhaps Wolfe never knew it. For whatever reason, Rosecrans and his successor chose not to follow through with the execution. Major Enoch Wolfe was paroled at the end of the war six months later, made his way back home in the hills to a family who believed he was dead, and lived 45 more years on the farm he'd bought before the war. Now, you'd think that a man saved from death by the Republican president himself might develop a certain fondness for the grand old party, but Enoch Wolf remained a staunch Democrat and a proud ex-Confederate for those last 45 years. Regardless of his eternal connection to Honest Abe, like many a recalcitrant rebel, the major from the Ozarks would have reveled in this little Civil War ditty found in the University of Arkansas's Ozark Folk Song Collection, sung by George Davis in Russellville, Arkansas, it was recorded by Carl T. Gosnell on November 8, 1953, 89 years to the day that Enoch Wolf was sentenced to death. Jack Davis rides the milk white steed, old Lincoln rides the news. Jack Davis is our president, old Lincoln is a fool, old John Brown dead at last where you said don't keep his hair remaining. They laid him on the slope and they dropped him on a rope and they swung him in the southern land of Canaan. It's old me, it's old my, it's still another session, it is shining. Never mind the weather, we'll get over double trouble. I'm bound in the southern land of Canaan. And that's all I know of Thanks, Brooks. Guitarist Roy Bookbinder has traveled the world as a solo performer for nearly 50 years. Roy's career and playing style is heavily influenced by the late Reverend Gary Davis, who specialized in a unique style of guitar fingerpicking. Roy's performances are as much a story of his life and experiences as they are a musical endeavor. Let's listen to Roy's version of the Mississippi Blues. Baby. Rag Mama. Well, it was a night before Christmas and all through the house, not a creature stirring, not a single mouse. Out in the yard, the roads had crashed, it was Santa Claus falling on his big fat. I said, Rag Mama. You better rag Mama. Ooh, baby, rag Mama. Come on, baby, let's do that rag. Come on, girl, let's do that rag. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. <clears throat> Play an old blues song. This one's from 1941. It was recorded, uh, not commercially, uh, it was recorded for the Library of Congress. John and Alvin Lomax were down south with a tape recorder the size of a Buick, where they recorded a young tractor driver whose name was Muddy Waters. 
uh, anyway, uh, this song was recorded on the same trip across the river in Arkansas. It's so cool, I just realized here I am. They recorded on Sadie Beck's plantation, two young field hands. One's name was Honey Boy Edwards, and he just died a couple years ago. He was like 97. He was doing gigs at 95. He was the last, the last old timer that played acoustic blues. And uh, they recorded his pal, Willie Brown, who did the most beautiful arrangement of a, a blues I'd ever heard. It's one of the most perfect songs. pretty much the way Willie recorded it. Imitating the piano, I think. Some other man when he starts calling your name. Whoa. Senior moment. Down to the Delta. That's right. I'm going back down to the Delta. Mama, where I can have my fun. like I told you and bring my baby bring my baby
about it but these blues guys were all singer songwriters the only difference was they could really play the guitar oh yeah this came out in 1929 paramount records i met a gal at a cabaret she said pretty papa are you going my way i had to know what it was all about she took me home just to kick me out she broke my nose split my chin she said she did not want me hanging around again Chased me through the kitchen and into the hall She beat me with a chair till my head got sore But that'll never happen no more No, that'll never happen no more What? Don't talk to me, guitar Chicago in the winter and fall Told me to wear my overhauls I got broke It was my fault I was used to eating pork chops without no salt I met a little sweet gal with a big mink coat She had a Cadillac car And a 40 foot boat Pulled a gun and she took my dough I didn't holler and I didn't get sore But that'll never happen no more No that'll never happen no more With a woman that they called Cherry Red When I got through Boogie and the fool fell dead Never happen no more That'll never happen no more 
party that Saturday night. I got into drinking, I was feeling all right. Lit up a smoke and I drank some gin. I was sitting back waiting for the fun to begin. A little sweet gal come up on me. She said, hey, Roy, daddy, let's up. I woke up the next morning in the empty bed, pockets empty and a pain in my head. That's right, that'll never happen no more. What do you say? Uh-huh. That's right. Oh, that'll never happen no more. I said, that'll never happen no more. I mean, that'll never happen no more. I said, that will never happen no more. We've been listening to Blues and Roots music troubadour Roy Bookbinder playing the Mississippi Blues, followed by That'll Never Happen No More, which was written and first released by bluesman Blind Blake in the year 1927. Thanks for listening to this week's show, dedicated to country blues. This is your host, Dave Smith. Have a great week. Ozark Highlands Radio is produced by Jeff Glover. Executive producer is Darren Dorton. Additional support for this program comes from Arkansas State Parks, a division of the Arkansas Department of Parks, Heritage, and Tourism, with 52 unique reasons to visit the natural state. On the web at ArkansasStateParks.com. The Committee of 100 proudly supporting the Ozark Folk Center State Park since 1974. And by Stone Bank with roots in Mountain View, Arkansas. Stone Bank is a proud supporter of heritage musicians and small towns across America with government-guaranteed loans for farmers, entrepreneurs, and communities. More information available at StoneBank.com. For information on upcoming shows and events, we are on the web at OzarkHighlandsRadio.com. Until next time, I'm Donna Farrar. (laughs) 